0: I'm Eric. And I'm Lauren. We've both volunteered for progressive political causes.
1: And we're both nerds.
0: Growing up, Shiro was one of my favorite shows.
1: I've never seen it before.
0: Catching it on Netflix again recently, it struck me how modern the show still feels.
1: Even though it's definitely a product of its time... We're interested in the ways She-Ra presents a modern progressive message.
0: And the ways in which it fails.
1: Join us each week as we dive deep into a different She-Ra story.
0: Always with an eye on how it relates to the present.
1: We're only doing episodes from the first season, so you can follow along on Netflix.
0: But we'll also recap the episodes so you don't have to.
1: We'd love to hear your feedback on everything we're discussing.
0: So please, enjoy this political, nerdy dive into a heck of a cartoon. This This is is She-Ra, Progressive Progressive of of power. Power. Everybody, welcome once again to She-Ra, Progressive of Power. I am Eric.
1: And I'm Lauren.
0: And we have a fancy new studio we're recording in today. Thanks to the wonderful people at Cards Against Humanity. Thank you, Cards Against Humanity.
1: Thank you, Cards Against Humanity.
0: They're not sponsoring us, but they're letting us use their studio.
1: Yeah, it's certainly generous. This is a giant studio. There are enough chairs and mics in here that... You could clone each of us at least twice.
0: Yeah, this is, I'm at like the host station and there's like a um, a phone where I, we could take like call-ins and stuff. It's pretty cool. <laughs> this is where Hello from the Magic Tavern records and improvised Star Trek.
1: Oh my God. I know. They're so glamorous.
0: That's like not that mystifying to us because we know all those guys, but right. when I tell people I know Magic Tavern, they're like, what? No.
1: Right. I was just uh, at a pizza place a couple weeks ago and Matt Young was there and I've known Matt Young for years and years. And yet I was like, oh, my God, it's Matt Young. As if that's like not my friend. Yeah, it is. Right. I see Sean Kelly on the street in my neighborhood all the time.
0: Oh, Sean's one of the best dudes. Are we dropping too many names at this point? Yeah. Uh, So today we're doing an episode called Just Like Me which is one of my favorites. My little Dark Horse guidebook calls it a hidden gem, which I think is true because I had no recollection of this episode. Fans don't often talk about it, but when I was going through my post-Wonder Woman rewatch, I stumbled on it and I'm like, damn, this one's pretty good. So let's talk about it. It starts with the familiar trope of yet another bold young girl whose village is being harried by the horde and she's very frustrated. And so she decides... To go find the Rebellion to help. But she doesn't want just any rebel. She has to have She-Ra. Because to this young girl, everyone is a coward. Her parents are cowards. Bo is a coward. Adora is a coward. Only She-Ra stands up to the horde. <laughs> Which is funny because she actually finds Bo and Adora. And she's like, I don't want you. I want She-Ra. Adora kind of bummed out by that. Because she's also kind of getting some lip from bow and is getting the sense that kind of everybody thinks that She-Ra is just some headstrong warrior and Adora's a coward because she's kind of arguing for smarter tactics. So she turns into She-Ra to try to solve this problem. She rescues the girl, they go back to camp, they make a plan to save the village, and then, then they do, kind of, but what happens is the horde general in charge of the village, Modulok, has this... Uh, This weapon, this 11th hour weapon, that actually uses She-Ra's strength against her and drains her of her power. And boy, isn't that just the perfect kind of commentary on the moral of this story? And so it is not She-Ra, but Adora, who defeats Majulak by using her inspired tactics and athleticism. With all the village watching... And all of a sudden, this little girl's like, oh, I guess you don't have to just be strong to fight the Horde. I guess you can be lots of things and be an effective fighter. And so she kind of learns the moral of the story, and everybody's happy. And Adora's kind of identity crisis is resolved. And that's what I want to talk about with this episode, is, is kind of Adora's place as this rebel hero. I mean, the subtitle of this episode is like Heroism and Responsibility. It's, it kind of questions, like, what can one person do, especially when you have all these kind of iconic figures uh, above you, be it she or, like, Barack Obama. Like, how do you follow, when there's such a great example, what does one measly person do? Uh, I also think it's interesting because this whole season, Lauren has been asking, why does Adora have a secret identity? And this episode is kind of exactly about that. So what do you think about that?
1: There are a few uh, common threads in this episode that I've been bringing up throughout our podcast. Uh, Why does Adora have a secret identity is definitely one of them. And I really enjoyed the overall message of this episode. Um, Not to jump to the end, but I'm going to do that. The kind of idea is... Well, the title is Just Like Me and i found myself predicting what that would mean you know is it this little girl is just like shira you know what is that going to be and the message ends up being well it's fine to have an idol it's fine to have someone you consider your role model but in the end the best person you can be is just like you and so it really inspires this little girl, I think, to go off and find what her own superpowers are and what she's good at. And I think that's a really important message in a kid's show. Uh, it's so easy to watch a show like this and go, well, Shira's just so strong. I remember my young self. I could not do even a single pull-up in gym class to save my life. Uh, and I have tiny little arms to this day. And so a super buff Shira who can lift sections of Earth and just throw them, uh, it might not be someone I feel I could totally live up to. Uh, and so for once, the show says Adora is important too, and your brain is a superpower, and your plans are a superpower, and your fairness and your kindness and your goodness all are too. Uh, and... Not only did I really like that message, but I wish we did it more on this show.
0: I totally agree, and I think that's a great point that the me in the title is reflexive, like the the lesson that uh Lena learns is to be like herself. And I think Lena's a really cool character because in a little bit of a way she is almost like a parody of the the plucky child archetype in this show because usually the formula is all right, this little girl's village is being harassed. No one wants to do anything, so she strikes out on her own. But in this village, the first thing her mom says is like, we don't fight the Horde, we make food for the Rebellion. That's how we fight, which I think is like really cool. Like The village is already contributing what they can, and this girl just doesn't quite get it. And so the episode is her journey of figuring that out.
1: So I actually want to talk about that line from the mom, because there are a few sentiments or moments in this episode that I feel like maybe aren't entirely paid off or aren't entirely resolved. Because as we also saw in the Rock People episode, even though the Rock People episode claimed to glorify pacifism and peace and other ways of living... In the end, the Rock people gave up their pacifism and fought. And similarly, I thought, we make food for the rebellion. That's our best way to be heroes. That could have been such a cool theme, but the mom actually ends up, like, busting out of jail and physically assaulting the Horde general and once again sort of tells us, Sure, you can fight in your own way, but you should still punch people. Punching people is still super cool.
0: That's true. I I, I kind of felt, because I liked that moment, I thought it was more situational, like with her back against the wall. Like she will fight, but her preferred method of fighting is food supply. Uh, but I, I think your point is correct, too, that in an action show, like, well, sometimes it just to It's comes always going to be punching. action, yeah. Yeah.
1: The other thread was that uh, I couldn't quite figure out what Bo was about this episode. yeah. He, at the beginning, had, as you said, some lip for Adora, he started seeming to doubt her leadership abilities and and doubt her ability to solve problems and be, you know, the rebel icon that she's supposed to be. But later on, there was almost a, a jealousy, you know, um, because She-Ra gets to save the day and the little girl wanted She-Ra and not Bo. He seemed embittered by that, too. What lesson do you think he learned this episode, if any?
0: Yeah, I don't, I mean, Bo's character was kind of not super well developed. And according to, again, this handy dark horse guide, uh, initially there were scenes of him framing the episode where in the beginning, like, he's trying to teach Adora how to uh, be a good archer, and she's already better than him at it. And so he's very salty. And then in the end, they kind of revisit that idea that, like, Adora doesn't really need... Bow to teach or anything. So I think initially he was kind of supposed to be this like grumpy foil the whole time, and so much of that gets cut. But he's just kind of a jerk in this episode, right? Like he kind of seems like he's on the sidelines, being like, "But I'm important too."
1: Yeah, and I I, I did notice they gave him his moment where he says, "My diamond arrow can shoot through anything," and sort of his marksmanship and his tools combined with She-Ra's awesome ability to apparently walk on a tightrope in heels, cause no big deal, saves this girl. But it's never really acknowledged out loud that like, that situation needed them both. Normally, I make fun of these shows when they're too heavy-handed or on the nose, but this could have used a little more of that. Like, hey, we, we needed everyone in this equation.
0: True. I, I really like that bridge scene because it's. I think it's a great example of making tension without having like a supervillain on screen which I always appreciate when these action shows find a way to create a scenario like that without violence. Uh, Even though there's obviously like a dangerous threat there, it's not like a punching threat, you know?
1: Why did the bridge break?
0: I think it was just old and rickety, right? Like it was just dramatic timing.
1: As long as I didn't miss something.
0: As far as Bo, I actually laughed out loud. There's this really great cut where Bo's like, all right, Lena, we're going to go rescue your parents. And then immediate cut and Bo's in prison. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, again, it's it was like maybe we were trying to teach Bo a lesson about being reckless because he was very reckless in the beginning.
0: I think that's probably it, yeah, because Adora, you know, there's even, and again, this episode has really expressive animation. This is directed by the same guy who did Huntara, Tom Tataranowicz, and he always kind of went the extra mile. So there's that great animation in the beginning where Adora's hiding behind a wall and then Bo just like breezes past her like, we don't need stealth. We'll just fight our way like Shira would do. And I think that probably is ultimately his lesson that sometimes you need a little bit of cleverness.
1: Absolutely. And one of the parts of this episode that was more on the nose is uh, Adora sort of jokingly refers to herself as a mere woman, uh, implying that the Horde generals or the Horde at large probably would underestimate her just because of her gender. And while that's true... For Adora, I actually liked applying it more to the mother character because the mother character just kicked butt. And so the women in this episode, I think, all told, including Lena, were the ones who took charge, and I'm assuming that was quite intentional.
0: I don't doubt it. Yeah, that whole the phrase, you're just a regular woman, that gets thrown around a lot. Lena says it to Adora, first of all. Modulok says it to Adora. And then at the end, Adora embraces it, which is uh, it's cool. I, it really, I think... This episode definitely has this girl power thing going on really hard, which is nice.
1: I really like you using the word embraces it. We've touched on this in, in, in earlier episodes, but something that I've learned in my life is to embrace the type of woman that you are. There's a lot of toxicity among women, unfortunately, to be competitive, whether that means have the nicest clothes, the prettiest makeup, and look, who gets a man, who gets married. I feel like, especially through advertising, uh, we're encouraged to sort of one-up one another. Women are stereotypically catty, and I think it's a lot of just the fault of society around us telling us that that's what we're supposed to be. Look at so many movies. And so the phrase, I'm not like other girls, gets thrown around a lot. I'm so glad that that trope is getting tired because I grew up thinking I wear jeans and a t-shirt and like video games. I'm not like other girls.
0: Right. I don't like drama. I just hang with the boys.
1: Yeah. I'm one of the guys. I dye my hair purple. I'm not like other girls. That's so gross and unsupportive. And only as an adult have I really started to embrace, A, support other women, but be—it's okay to be stereotypically feminine. You don't need to shun femininity to still be a strong and independent, self-reliant female. And so now I do wear makeup every day, and I do wear dresses most of the time. I am right now, listeners at home. And it's it, true. It doesn't—it doesn't take away like my strength or my intelligence. You can be beautiful, like I think Shira is, and also. Smart and also strong. They don't they don't pull away from each other. And so to see Adora be like, I'm all of these things, too. Adora gets to be clever and planful and She-Ra gets to punch things and she's she's all of the above. She gets to embrace it. So, if this episode uh, is supposed to be about responsibility and heroism, uh, I guess we could dig a little deeper into that. kind of kind of in the vein of what I was already saying, What this episode does so well is say that everyone can contribute, to heroism in their own way. I don't think I have a modern equivalent in like a superhero sense, but I recently got a promotion at my job and it gives me sometimes a lot of um imposter syndrome, right? You're like, "Oh my god, am I qualified for this? What am I actually good at? Why did I get these why do I get these opportunities in life?" And you really it was really an opportunity for me to do self-reflection like Am I just the loudest person in the room, or do I actually have good ideas? Am I clever? or am I just the only girl, you know it, And um, I, I just am fascinated and, and happy that a children's show kind of encouraged little girls to do that. <laughs> like, what are what are you good at? How can you be a hero in your day-to-day life?
0: Yeah, I thought that was really cool and I loved that Adora kind of had, this crisis that it it is a little beyond what a kid's show might normally do where her worry is that maybe part of her is too good at something and that she needs to rein it in so that people see a more rounded picture, which is pretty nice. I also just got a new job and yeah, I feel the same like imposter syndrome like of everybody here. I am the least qualified person like I don't really know what I'm doing and I think everybody feels that way when they get a new job, but yeah, it's really cool. To see our favorite cartoon characters going through that in like pretty, pretty um, rounded ways. This, you know, it's at least two dimensional. It's not just one dimension.
1: One of the things I often say about my career is I became a much better leader and I became a much better boss when I started being okay hiring people who were better than me at things. I used to have a lot of confidence issues. Um, I used to work at one of Chicago's big science museums, and if (laughs) someone knew more about science or someone was a more charismatic show performer, I would get so intimidated and weird about it. And then one day I went, you don't have to be the best at everything. Your job is to make sure your people are the best at the things they're the best at. Hey, you charismatic person, you're now in charge of this show all the time hey, you science geek, I'm going to put you in the positions where you can talk about science as much as you can because together we're going to give the best experience to everyone. I love that you're better than me at this stuff. Uh, And I would like for this episode, I think, to push on that a little harder. Um, It was very much an episode for Adora and She-Ra, but I think the rebellion could have benefited from that lesson. Everyone in this movement has a thing that they're good at, that they're the best at. Bo learns that, I think, but it would have been cool to see that from Glimmer or Perfuma or Angela, all these other characters learning what they're best at and why they're here.
0: Absolutely. And again, to go back to that line, I really did like that the mom hit, like, we make food because that's such non-action cartoon thing to say. And I like that at least it's considering... That, like, there's all sorts of things you can do. And uh, the moral even mentions that kindness is one of those things. And and patience and, and caring. Uh, She-Ra's kind of a badass in that bridge scene, not just for her feat of strength, but when Lena, like, all of a sudden recoils at having to jump into her arms, she very calmly says, you asked for me, Lena, now you must trust me. It's like, damn, that's good. Like, she's totally in control of this situation.
1: Yeah, I kind of gasped at that part because... It was a little sassy on She-Ra's part. It wasn't this moment of just pure, like, I'll save you, little girl. Fear not. It was like, you have a role in this, too, and this is how you wanted this to go. Yeah. And it's almost asking Lena, like, you got to be your own hero right now, too, in that you have to commit to the plan you said you wanted, which was bringing me here.
0: per either personally or anecdotally is there kind of anybody that you look up to where in currently or in the past you've been like i don't think i could be that person and like that they cast some kind of shadow over your own aspirations like is that a thing you've you've related to before i'll start w- with with this is and i've just kind of because my new job is a, is a leadership role so i'm really also very happy to hear you give your your leadership suggestions so i've kind of been trying to think about for me what what do i think makes a good leader and how do i make myself more like that and i'm realizing that there are some people i interact with on a not day to day but a frequent basis who always are just so effusive they're always just so genuinely happy to see someone and to converse with someone and it's not put on and it's not like flirty it's just like who they are is they genuinely enjoy like interacting with the friendly person and i'm like man i need to teach myself how to be like that because I think like to a degree I am but I also I don't really have a good poker face so I can easily show like frustration sometimes and I need to shift my focus to not be like that but people who are like that man it it blows me away I uh those people are my heroes
1: it's such a good trait I think I mean I definitely agree with you it's why people who are just likable and good conversationalists and even frankly flatterers get really far in life because everyone likes feeling good around other people
0: yeah exactly and you know i think sometimes though your tendency not your lauren's but (laughs) one's tendency is to think that that is some kind of uh secret scheming like i'm doing this to market myself and i think for some people it is but I think once you interact with people enough, you get a sense that really there are people like that out there, like genuinely just like pleasant, kind of people all of the time.
1: For sure. I guess if we're going to go less individual people and more individual traits, the example that I actually was just thinking of earlier today was my own stage fright. Mm. Years and years and years I had crippling stage fright the first time it really like affected me in a quantifiable way was in eighth grade. We always had a Christmas musical. And I, to this day, believe I had the best singing voice in my class and just choked every time they ever asked me to audition or like try. Oh, no. So I ended up with just a role that didn't sing very much because I couldn't get over the like terrible fear. Similarly, I was in choir in high school, was always trying out for musicals and very rarely got solos in choir because every time I had a tryout I would just freak out and choke it just happened so often and then when I did have solos by the time I got off the stage I would just be like patchy pale white green and red just like all over my skin because I was so terrified and it sucks to know like I can sing. I know I can. I have this one ability and this one strength. And this problem I have is just torpedoing it, right? And so I got to college at Bradley University in Peoria. uh, And they have an improv troupe there called Barbecue Kitten. And it's still there to this day. Uh, I shout out to all my kittens in Peoria. (laughs) And I was just like, I'm going to do this. And they had this brilliant... um, formula where every Wednesday night the improv troupe would have rehearsal but they were open rehearsals and so anyone interested could come to rehearsals and jump in on the games and just play and improvise with the cast and so even though I was terrified all the time slowly 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 I would raise my hand and volunteer to do a few games and then a few more and then a few more until one day I was invited to shows, and then I was suddenly the only girl in the improv troupe and the youngest person in the improv troupe, and I had a fan base, and people knew me all over campus, and so not only was I improvising and making people laugh on stage, but I had to sort of be on all the time because I never knew who I was going to run into and what they remembered or knew about me from my shows. And so I'm proud to say, after this long story... I think I have slaughtered my stage fright, even though it took like 20 years or something like that. And uh, so this episode kind of meant a lot to me uh, in that it really says it's, it's okay to be worried about your own weaknesses. It's okay to work on them. It's okay to know what you're good at and maybe what you're not so good at and encourages you to figure it out. found you looky yeah i'm gonna every episode i find him i'm gonna be pumped you're gonna get 15 30 however many episodes of this we do every time i do it it's a great day
0: <laughs> looky you have been found uh so this time looky says i don't know about you but i'm always amazed at shira's physical strength but she also has other powers like love and kindness and fairness did you ever think of those as being powers? Well, they are. They work for Shira, and they can work for you. And that's really sweet, lookie.
1: Yeah, I think that's really sweet, and it very much matches the episode.
0: It does. It, it kind of is a restatement of the final scene. It's almost what Adora says to Lena, but you know what? It's worth saying again, and I think this is one where it's okay to, to bring it back around.
1: Yeah, where Lookie really succeeds, <laughs> when Lookie's at his best. <laughs> I'm a f- fine critique of Luki-isms these days. <laughs> uh, it's it's when he reminds the audience that this show is about them too. Because I think it would be easy to be like, Well, She-Ra's a superhero and that child is just a cartoon child on a cartoon. This has nothing to do with me. But Lookie always goes, Hey, kid at home. We're talking about your life. This stuff can be applied to you and your friends. And so I, I completely imagine, well, I don't want to say just a young Lauren. Lauren today went and was like, yeah, what are my superpowers? Thanks for thanks for making me ask that, Luki.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Luki, you get a passing grade on this one. So I want to ask you, though, if if the episode took a slightly darker route with the moral and instead looked at this notion that, sometimes when you see someone excelling at something you feel less than what what lesson do you have to say to those people the bows or the linas or even a little bit the adora who feels that um she-ra is excelling where she is not
1: um we kind of already talked about it i guess it's worth repeating it would just be that nobody's good at everything but everyone's good at something um I will never be good at doing pull-ups in gym class, and that's just true. But today I am good at being on stage in front of people, and I wasn't before. Man, admittedly, uh, (laughs) I'm still working on this in my everyday life because uh, my husband bought a bass guitar a couple of weeks ago and immediately is a better bassist than I ever was. And I feel the pain of that. It's not great. And I I need to listen to Lookie and be like, you know what, that's fine.
0: Hey, we're all works in progress. <laughs> Thanks for listening to She-Ra Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, power at gmail.com or as a comment on our podcast page at progressiveofpower.wordpress.com.
1: In this episode, Lena learned that everybody can be a hero. One way you can be a hero is to help people in need this holiday season. A fantastic local resource is the Greater Chicago Food Depository. You can learn more about it at chicagosfoodbank.org. Additionally, many local businesses and wards will be hosting food and clothing drives over the coming months. For example, I live in North Center, the 47th Ward, and there's a great coat drive happening at the ward office right now. So don't forget, if you're at the store buying groceries, buy a couple extra things if you're buying toys for one of your little cousins or your kids buy one more there's surely a great place where you can drop it off for someone who needs it this holiday season for the honor of love